Welcome to this philosophical episode of the Greyhorn Pagans podcast. Gather around, put on your thinking caps, and let's ask the real questions. Welcome everyone to the Greyhorn Pagans podcast. And we are back, back again on the Greyhorn Pagans podcasts. This is the second one of the day. So for everybody watching live, uh, welcome back. Um, my guest for uh, this time for this show is Mike Oppenheim. Uh, Mike, thank you so much for um, for coming on. Um, I, I'm looking at your um, your Podmatch account, and you you do it all. Like you do, you do everything. Um, introduce yourself. Uh, talk a little about about what you do. Sure. Uh, my name is Mike Oppenheim. I'm 42 as of about a month ago, and uh, I live in Arizona now, uh, but I'm from California originally. And uh, I have a wife and a little daughter and also another kid on the way. And then I also have an older son from a different marriage who doesn't live with me, but I love him as much. And so that's the personal info. And then uh, career-wise, um, I love entertainment and art. I don't know, really know like uh, how to explain it, but... Uh, from the time I was a little kid, I was just really into music and drawing and acting and singing and writing and dancing. And I wouldn't say dancing, actually. But uh, anyway, so, uh, yeah, the reason my bio is long is because I kind of have, like, uh, I get really into things and then I move on. So, like, I was a professional musician for a while. Now I'm a professional writer. Um, I used to make movies. I went to film school. Um, and I still actually make movies. Um, I have, like, stuff on YouTube. So, yeah, I love... Uh, Writing, though, is at the core of what my interests are. I really like like writing music, writing for television, writing for movies, writing novels, obviously. Yeah, and you have a very, uh, very successful Substack. Um, yeah, well, Substack article, Substack blog, I guess it is. I, I think now they're calling it a Substack, but yeah, like, yeah, <laughs> whatever it uh, is. It's, you know, it used to be blog and now it's a Substack and it's articles and not blogs. And um, so, but I, uh, you've, you've been doing that for like at least three years now. I, I subscribed and I saw that you've been, uh, been on for three years already. So that's. Well, so like Substack for three years, but really I started in 2006. It was an email. So like before the word blog was in my like, you know, knowledge base, uh, I'm sure the word had been used. I just mm -hmm. started writing what I called like funny essays to like a small limited email group. And it was about 20. And then it got up to 50 within the first couple of weeks. So then I started um, calling it in a weekly essay, you know, like it became like a real thing. So that was called it sucks to be you. And then when I was uh, in 2009, <laughs> three years later, I kind of like, I didn't actually mature, but I decided I wanted a more mature title. So I changed it to what it still is mm -hmm. called, which is the casual casuist, which means a person who, casually makes connections that probably aren't accurate between events like causality. So, and that's kind of the theme of my life. It's just like looking at things differently than other people and wondering why they don't see it the way I do, but not at all implying that you should see it my way, just more like, Hey, here's my weird take on that. So that was in 2006 and then 2009 was kind of the reboot. And I've never missed one since like 2011. So I've been writing every single week. And then I also write novels, which come out about every year or two. Um, 
Yeah. So, how do you find the time for that? How do you find the the inspiration for that? Like, I'm I'm already, you know, I I struggle just finding inspiration for the for the podcast and finding guests for the the podcast, let alone that I have to, you know, well have to want to um, write some like a book every year and uh, articles every every week like where do you where do you pull that from uh it's a good question i think um i'm pretty like spiritual and i meditate and i get a lot of good ideas when i'm meditating my parents were like hippies but not like the fun like pot smoking cool ones they were like the we don't eat unhealthy food and we meditate ones so uh mm -hmm. like i was raised with kind of like like i was pretty reactionary to that when i was a teenager but uh I have meditated consistently most of my life. And I would say that a lot of my inspiration comes from that. I also podcast. Um, I do a podcast. It's on the Substack, which is, I guess, why they call it a Substack. Um, and it's called mm. Coffin Talk. And that's about, I interview people about what they think about uh, death and like how they adjust and deal with, you know, like aging and just realizing you're going to die. And I actually get a lot of ideas for specifically the weekly essays from that, because it's really interesting to hear you or someone else you don't know talk about something that quote unquote is so intimate um at least in america it's like a total taboo subject which is crazy to me um because we all experience it <laughs> yeah that's that's a heavy heavy topic and uh, like but um you know a, a very well relevant one uh, especially over the uh, the last couple of years with the whole uh, you know global thing going on and we're seeing now um, you know like late consequences of it as well it's it's not something that um, that I, I would have thought of just you know let's oh yeah let's start a podcast and talk about death because why not <laughs> yeah well the idea came uh, I used to volunteer at a hospice which is um, you know, for people who aren't super familiar, um, in America, at least it's a actual legal term and you have to have less than six months of like diagnosed life left. And then you're allowed to enter hospice. Now, privately, mm -hmm. you can enter it and pay out of pocket, but that's crazy. Um, and basically it's just like dying with dignity. And so I spent a lot of time meeting people who are dying and I've always been comfortable with that. Um, again, getting back to like, I say I'm spiritual. I, I don't know how to explain that, but I love your podcast and the theme of it because it's not really it's become like an annoying word to me, <laughs> even though it should be not. <laughs> but my, my yeah. point is just more that like, I pay attention to my own personality and the signs that life gives me. So whether that comes from like a God or my own brain or consciousness, you know, I don't care. That's not at all relevant to me. What I do know is when I ignore that voice, life goes pretty South pretty fast. So that voice has always told me to like help people who are dying. Like when I was a little kid, my mom's friend had cancer and I would like, beg to go with her to the woman's house and just like hold her hand and talk to her so like i'm not saying i'm some like reincarnated like death person but i do <laughs> have this weird thing where like i'd rather help people die than help people like with other issues in their life like you know we all kind of feel compelled to help people differently and and yeah. that's my like favorite way to help someone is like help them go to the other side so to speak and again like i'm i don't know if there's another side that's why i interview hundreds of people about it so. yeah <laughs> Oh, a good question from uh, Thane Josh right away. Do you find that your spiritual beliefs automatically spill over into your uh, into your writing? Like, do, do you write from that divine spirit? 
Um, weekly nonfiction essays, somewhat novels, probably not at all. Um, but there is, you mentioned it like differently, which is there is this weird thing. Like I've heard stand up comics say it. I've heard like everyone talk about it. Like you just enter this like trance flow state and you do feel like the work comes from another source. But yeah. I also would argue that you can say that about your own thoughts. You know, like I'm sure you've had thoughts that shock you and aren't yours and they don't feel like they're yours. And then you're just kind of like, well, what do I do with it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. Those, those sometimes, you know, those intrusive thoughts that just seem to enter your brain. And then when you, when you realize what you're actually thinking, you're like, whoa, ho, ho, wait, hold up. This is, <laughs> this yeah. is not me. <laughs> totally. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, like the, uh, it's like automatic writing or, or something like that. Uh, I, I recently interviewed someone who um, wrote three books about uh, shamanism and being a shaman while like not knowing anything about it at all. It's just something overtook him and he started writing and now it's three whole novels. Um, oh, that's cool. I like that. Yeah, that is that is really, really something special that um, like it doesn't doesn't happen a lot. I mean, you you hear it more and more, but um, and you uh, you said you have written music as well. Anything anything we know? Anything that's been been played on the um, radio? I mean, the only time we were on the radio was in like New York and like one other state when I was when the band was active. So I was in two bands and one was in Portland, Oregon, which is the West Coast of America. And one was in uh, not New York City, but New York, uh, the state. And it was uh, mm. like we would play gigs in New York City and other places. Well, we played one last gig in New York City and then we broke up. But my point is we were like kind of a regional band and uh, okay. all okay. the music, if you go to my Substack, there's a music tab and there's a SoundCloud page where I uploaded all of it. But I released with a band, I released one album and then I released like seven or eight solo albums. And I, I love my music, but uh, I never got commercial. We, we broke up at the point where we were about to start recording a second album and really like try to make our moves. But uh, part of why we broke up and this is kind of the story of my life I really don't like the business side of art and entertainment <laughs> and it's uh, <laughs> like Substack yeah. is actually the best thing that ever happened to me because it's so like clean. Like you just post and you advertise like your Substack and people come if they want, but there's no like dealing with like, like in novels, you have to find literary agents. When you're a musician, you have to find like managers and like people to send your tapes to like, you know, like I had a guy who like had an in with um, sub pop when we were a band. And like, I remember like, he kept trying to give our demo to like this famous person at subs uh, at sub pop, which is like what uh, Nirvana and like other bands had been on. And, and, you know, we were just like, okay. Yeah. So thirsty and hungry for that. And it didn't come to fruition. And I remember that disappointment just, it was such a sour taste. You know, I was like 22 at the time. Okay. Yeah, no, that, that's, that is always the, uh, the tough part. Like the business part is always, um, you know, and that's that is why so many bands just break up because you know you have a lot of fun writing the music, you have a lot of fun performing, but when it comes to you know checks and balances and who gets what, then you have like especially if you are uh, if you are signed to a label, you know contractual obligations, and often you are expected to write about a certain topic or write certain 
songs that just it it takes all the all the fun out of it um i i don't have a lot of experience with that myself fortunately enough you know indie podcaster uh i i just do i do what i want i i talk about whatever i find interesting I have people on who you know who i think have interesting uh, interesting stories to tell uh and the business side of it i mean i i i have the same problem i'm not good at that um <laughs> You know, like a search engine optimization and you know, yeah, using yeah. the right the right keywords and all. I don't I don't want to do that. I just I just want to record. I just want to have fun. I want to have fun conversations. You know, and you know, if I grow big, yeah, awesome. But I don't. I just want to have fun. Yeah, totally. I'm with you. <laughs> uh, how'd you yeah. get into podcasting? Um. Well, during the uh, the whole global pandemic, actually, because I I lost my job as many many others did, unfortunately, I was working as a uh, as a freelance cook at the time. So yeah. I yeah, that was that was rough. I lost both my uh, my job and my income um, as as a freelancer. Like you have zero guarantee whatsoever, and you're the first one to go, of course. Yeah. Um. So I took up a, yeah, just like a, a delivery job, um, the, the the Dutch version of Grubhub. Uh, oh, cool. Takeaway and all that, just, you know, on the bike within my city, because uh, that just took off, you know, like delivery and all of that. Yeah. People weren't leaving, leaving their homes and everybody got shit delivered and, you know, was getting fat on the couch. Um, but uh you know doing that for five days a week like at a certain point you know there are only so many playlists that you can listen to there are only so many like you can you can hear that that one song that you love so much only you know so many times before it's like okay i'm a skip um so I needed I needed something new, and I've heard of podcasts before. I've heard of audiobooks before. Never really got into it, so I just you know I looked up a few of um, you know the ones that I I did know of. One of the first uh, more alternative ones, more um, like occult ones, was the uh, the occult rejects. They're still going. Um, and yeah, I just I was a guest first. Like I, I first was a guest on uh, my Third Eye podcast. I had no setup whatsoever. I just had, you know, I had my laptop, and that was it. I had no no headphones, no microphone, so the sound quality was absolutely horrendous. Of course, <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, basic laptop mic. That's uh, not the best. And I did that two times. I did a round table with him. And like, it was pretty much from that moment on that I was like, you know what? I want to do this myself too. Like this, this sounds and seems like a lot of fun. And it was uh, about a year 
I want to say close to two years ago now that I uh, I uploaded my um, my first episodes, and it was October last year, I believe. Was it October? Yeah, when I did my first uh, bigger series on Ragnarok, Ragnarok, the apocalypse, the Kali Yuga, the end of the world, because. Ooh. I mean, it did seem like it was the end of the world. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, with you know a bunch of other people, a bunch of other other podcasters, um, you know, getting the name out there, and I have been doing it pretty consistently ever since. I'm coming up on, I want to say, fifty published episodes now at least on the um the audio platforms and i have podcasts uh scheduled to go live um up to november so um i i record sorry that was my cat yeah yeah i saw your cat i thought that was cool i have another uh, weird question for you but um so I taught ESL um, for 10 years and I only got to teach two students from the Netherlands because you all speak English so well that you would never pay for lessons. This person wanted to go to a <laughs> PhD program. So they were trying to get like, you know, oh, like right. yeah. the, the third conditional, like perfectly, you know, like that kind of stuff. So that was my forte was teaching advanced English to, to people from other languages. Anyway, my son is bilingual. You're clearly bilingual. So I have two questions for you. One, sure. do you think freely in both languages or do you cross-translate? And then my second question, why did you pick English instead of Dutch for podcasting? Um, well, my, uh, my wife is American too. She is, uh, she's from Colorado, currently still lives there. We are trying to um, you know, get everything together, paperwork and money and whatever to um, have her come over here to uh, to Europe, to the Netherlands. Um, so I, like, I, I speak English pretty much most of the time, um, but I can I, I can easily switch. Um, you know, if I'm with my uh, with my relatives, if I'm with the family, or outside doing groceries or whatever, and like I am on the phone with my uh, with my wife, I can. Like pretty easily switch between Dutch and English, um, so yeah, crossover. Yeah, sometimes. I mean, there there are times that I have to um, have to look up certain English translations just because they are words that I, you know, haven't used yet in English or haven't used enough that um, that really got got stuck. Um, and the reason why are I you, chose. Sorry, sorry, yeah. sorry. Are you? I'm just always curious about this. Are you thinking from like one source and then you pick which language to go into? Or do you think sometimes in Dutch and do you think sometimes in English? Same with dreaming. And again, I'm just asking, but this is like, this is not going anywhere. So <laughs> <laughs> there's no deep no, psychoanalyst to, uh, to follow this. <laughs> no, but it's, it's a, uh, it's a good, it's, it's a good question. Um, gee, I don't, I don't know really. Like it, it, it depends on, on what I'm doing. Really, like if I'm okay. at if, if I'm at work, like of course everything is is in Dutch, um, you know, because I speak Dutch. I'm surrounded by by Dutch people. Uh, but if I'm 
like if I'm on the podcast or if I'm with uh, with my wife or you know with the tribe, then yeah, it's it's in English. Like I said, you know, it's it's it switches. It depends on on where I am, what I do, but I can. I mean, it it does all come from uh, from the same source, of cool. course. Um, and my English. Do you dream you know, in both? Um, sometimes, yeah, sometimes I do. Uh, I have noticed that um, that I do dream in English um, more than I did, but that's because it's it's just it's gotten so ingrained. You know, uh, doing a lot of podcasting often, you know, two times a day as, you know, as now, for example. Um, and, you know, of course, like talking hours on the phone with, uh, you know, with the wife and all. Um, and why I chose to do my podcast in English is just to reach a wider audience. Um, that makes sense. Because like English is still spoken more than uh, than Dutch. Um, I have done, I want to say two shows in Dutch, uh, so far, one with, uh, Tina, Tina Camp. Uh, she isn't Dutch, but she's, uh, Flemish living in Italy. So Dutch and Flemish, it's basically the same, the same language. Um, and one with, uh, a Dutch writer. But it's it's weird because um, like doing podcasts in Dutch, like I'm so used to doing them in English that when I do them in Dutch, I have actually have to think about <laughs> what I'm saying and how I want to formulate the question and all because cool. it's it's like it's a familiar surrounding. It's it's something familiar that you know that I do and have been doing for a while, but always in English. So when it's in Dutch, I'm just like. What's the Dutch translation of this? <laughs> I'm so glad I asked. It's just fascinating to me because, you know, being on the other side of like teaching, I would just meet so many brilliant people like you. And like, it really is. It's a sign of brilliance, like this ability to just, and you like, you know, they've done a million studies. Like you think more creatively. It just creates. So yeah, I'm, I'm jealous. I know three languages, but I'm not fluent fluent, you know? Yeah. No, yeah. it's, it's something that we um, like, we get in, well, pretty much in, in preschool, I believe I was like, I had my first English class in school um, when I was, I don't know, like maybe eight, eight years old. My daughter is actually, um, she's getting taught in well, uh, three languages. Basically, she lives in, uh, in Frisia with her mother. So uh, she gets taught in Dutch, in Frisian and in English. Um, so she speaks even more languages than I do. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, that's cool. <laughs> but yeah, like, no, we, uh, but that's also because the Netherlands, uh, like we do a lot of trade with the US. Of course, we do a lot of, hi, Timmy, I love you. But <laughs> That's such a cat either. move too. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, you're playing yeah. with this? Okay, boom. <laughs> Yeah, she's like, I want attention now. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, no, we do a lot of trade with uh, with the US, with the UK, with uh, with France, with Germany. So like, pretty much from um, first grade high school, uh, starting 12, 13 years old, we get taught 
um, like three languages already. Uh, of course, you know, Dutch to you know, improve our Dutch. Um, we got French and we got English then at second grade from like 14 years old. Uh, German comes with it. And if you're doing the higher levels of education, you also get taught uh, Greek and Latin uh, wow. with Spanish. Like some schools will teach Spanish. Some have it optional. Um but yeah, like that's that's one of the uh, the major benefits of living in the Netherlands, and you know, with yeah. you know having uh, like the port of Rotterdam, of course, you know, international trade is. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's how the Netherlands got rich. It's how we, you know, how we established ourselves because we are. Um, well, we're bordering on sea, like we're pretty much like that that little country stuffed somewhere in the corner of Europe. Yeah, yeah, um, <laughs> totally. <laughs> but you know, closely bordering on uh, on France, like Belgium is in between, but that used to be part of the Kingdom of the Netherlands, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, our our next door neighbors are you know are German, of course. Um, our language um, it it looks a lot like German. Sometimes it sounds a lot like uh, like German. I haven't used my my German in years, but when I like when I read it, I can like understand what it says. It's not like don't don't ask me to translate because I'm gonna have a, a rough time with that. But I do understand what is being said. I do understand what uh, what the text is is about. Um, but that's yeah. That's always the one uh, the thing that's like fascinated me too. Like looking from like looking from uh, Europe to to the US. I mean. So like, um, so proud of like being a immigrant country and, you know, the American dream, like you can come from the poorest country with a dollar in your pocket and like five years later, you're a multimillionaire. Um, but like this insistency that everyone speaks English, like not taking the effort to, to learning the other languages, even something basic as, um, you know, Mexican Spanish. For example, that's yeah. also was the one thing that that fascinated me. Um, so, but that's, you know, that's it's really funny the, too. We don't even have an official language. No, no, I just—it's always funny to me that we don't actually have an official language. So everyone insists that they speak the language, but we don't have a language. There was never a national vote. There's nothing in our constitution or any legal work. And as a matter of fact, because there isn't one, all health forms and all legal documents are required to be translated into whatever language you ask. So as long as you're a citizen, um, you get to like that privilege. So like whenever I get like a health statement, it says like in 15 different languages, call this number or go to this website if you want this packet in that language, like Tagalog, like whatever you want. It's crazy. (laughs) So it's very funny because it's always funny to hear like, you know, I'm an American, but I'm like, I've been to 30 or 40 countries and, you know, I'm the children of immigrants. So like, it's just funny because I don't, you know, obviously I don't share that attitude and I've tried to learn a lot of languages, but you're a hundred percent spot on. <laughs> you're not wrong at all. Yeah. No. And it's just, you know, even if, even looking at like UK English and U S English, it's, it's vastly, vastly different, but somehow U S English is supposed to be superior or something because you know the the British English, the UK English is all you know hoity-toity and like more the 
the high society, if you want to, you want to sound, you know, if you want to sound royal, if you want to sound regal, you speak the Queen's yeah. English. And if you just totally. want everybody to, to understand what you're saying, it's US English. Yeah. Very well said. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. That's, that's always like the, the cultural differences are always something that, um, that has fascinated me and uh, you know connect now connecting with more Americans and especially being you know being married to um, to an American it's uh, it's a lot easier but I am seeing like so many more things um, and that's you know that's why I always find it interesting to just you know talk with people all all over the world of all you know ages and beliefs and because um, the like the American way of thinking, even though you could say that most, if not all, um, well, Caucasian Americans have European ancestry, the way of thinking, the way of doing things is so vastly different that you know Europe is now seen as special, like uh, you know. America has become the standards and if it's special, if it's different, well, must be European or, you know, like, which is basically saying, oh, it's exotic. And it's like, yeah, no, like Europe used to be the standards. Yeah, it's, it's very interesting. I agree. Yeah. And, you know, same with, uh, you know, like you said, with your, uh, your band, for example, just, you know, regional, regional touring and whatever. If you did that here in the Netherlands, like there is no way you're going to make any sort of money. Like if you just do a, a couple cities, like we're, we're too small for that. So regional touring, like you got to take the whole country or just at least like the, the three major provinces and then still it's, it's hard um yeah but that's that's why it's why it's always so special if you know someone uh someone dutch like a dutch band or writer or a filmmaker like a lot of dutch a lot of great dutch filmmakers and actors and actresses now are getting known in hollywood um you know the um, i believe the the biggest one being of course um wasn't it Rutger Hauer or someone else? Well, the, well, at least the most recent one being uh, Carice van Houten, of course, who played a big role in... Um, oh, I, I keep forgetting that. I, I, don't, I don't keep up with popular media, but she, has, right. a, she had a, a big role in a, like a major TV series. And that's, you know, we're always so proud of that. Um, because, you know, we are such a small country, like even... Uh, with all the the immigrants here now, mostly from Turkey and Morocco, we're at like 17, 18 million people, and that's that's our whole yeah. country. I mean, in, in the US, like that's your average big city. Um, <laughs> Not quite, but yeah, <laughs> New York City is 12 million, but yeah, we're um, that's our biggest city. But no, I your point's definitely correct, and uh, yeah, I think New York has 27 million people. California is like 54 million and California is a tricky number because there's a lot of immigration that isn't legal there. So it's probably, yeah. 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 But that's, you know, and that's, that's why it's always so like so special when someone who is Dutch, like 
makes it in the U.S. because for some reason, when it, especially when it comes to popular media, the U.S. is still that standard uh, because that, of you Hollywood. Know, I find this fascinating because it is interesting that uh, like the British Empire declined after World War One, World War Two. And they lost a lot of the, they lost all pretty much of their cultural hegemony. Like no one cares, but they didn't lose everything. And so America now, we're starting to lose most of what we had post-World War II. But the one thing we're yeah. not losing is our cultural hegemony. So it'll be interesting because of TikTok and other platforms. If like, like it's, it's doubtful that the Netherlands would take the cultural hegemony of like the world because it's 17, 18 million people, like you said. But it does beg the question of like, who's next? Like, will it be Brazil? Will it be Russia? Will it be China? Like, you know, cause if, again, America could keep this cultural superiority because of like Hollywood and business reasons, but it's, I don't think it's likely. I think, you know, I think things will crest. So. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, that's, I mean, I do see that um, here in the Netherlands, things are kind of becoming Americanized in a way, um, especially because of the popular media and like how how big it is and how much money there is in you know American popular uh, popular media, there's just so much money put into it. It's unreal. Um, which is also why uh, why the Dutch struggle with you know making movies and making good movies and all. Um, you know the the bigger move the or the movies that do the best are these just giant productions, but we don't have the means for that here in the Netherlands to um, to make every movie a grand production like that. First of all, because like yeah. our directors, writers, actors, actresses pool is limited, mm-hmm. um, and there's just there's not. There's not really that much money to be made in the Dutch film industry. Like both my uh, both my siblings, my brother and my sister, they are uh, script writers. They have gone to uh, to the Amsterdam Film Academy. Both graduated. Cool. Uh, my sister quite recently, actually, really proud of her. Um, but they make good stuff. They make good videos. They make great um, great content. But just because. There is there's so little money and there's such a a small um, like the entertainment sector here is is so small it's really hard to break through and to get known you know for that you'll have to go to the UK you have to go to the US um, just you know first of all population wise you know UK is already a lot larger there is already a lot more to be you know, to be done to be made more different kinds of nature if you want to make real money you go to the US um, so that's you know it's 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 special it's really it's cool to see but at the same time if you look at the US look at what Hollywood's doing with the whole AI and CGI and everything computer generated and animated, it, it gets too much to, which is why I, you know, I like those, like the ind- independent podcasters, people who just, you know, l- like yourself started with just an email, email list, email, uh, and then, you know, grew from there, you know, 
that's, well, that's, it's interesting too because, um, like we talked about, if you want to make it, has like two definitions depending on the person. Some people just want fame, like especially younger. Like when they do surveys, like baby boomers and Gen Gen X, like would rather get rich. That would be their life dream. And then it shifts. Millennials going down to Gen Z are like, no, the social cachet is actually more valuable to me. Like I'd rather, like if you're famous you kind of get rich now. And then what's also happening though is what we're talking about, which is like, do you want to, and when I say sell out, I mean it like not in a like immature or pejorative way, but like if you move to America and go to Hollywood, you are literally selling out. Like you're, you're going to compromise some of your idealism to make money and to get traction in that community. And then if you make it, make it, then you can break from Hollywood. Like we're talking specifically acting in movies, but you know, this works in music, this works in writing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you're a big enough author and you get your book published by Penguin and you get enough people, you can break off and then just independently publish novels on Amazon and make tons of more money. So again, it's just, it's very interesting to me to like talk to anyone about this because I sense in you a similar genuine desire to actually entertain other people and to actually be entertained yourself and to be expressive and I also think it would be a shame if you thought it was wrong to want uh, reciprocity for what you do, meaning like people to pay for something or to like buy, you know, products that you make. And so I think we, we're all of us who are genuine are very confused right now. Like the, you know, Ariana Grande, just to pick a random name out of the hat, like she's pretty world famous. If you want to be yeah. like her, there's going to be a, a lot of hoops to jump through and things you're going to do. You know, I don't think... Um, <laughs> what's her name taylor swift like i don't think she looks that happy but she also has access to everything so even if she's not happy right now i think most people would accept what she does and take in return what she gets but not everyone you know so i don't know i think about this a lot this is a very favorite topic of mine to think about yeah no but it's no it's a good one and uh the the selling out part is is definitely true like you're not gonna get to um to the top of the pyramids without doing some things that, you know, you'd, you'd rather not. Um, I mean, that's, you know, you hear about like the, the latest Hollywood scandal, like you hear it all the time, especially now in the, you know, the age of, um, of me too, for example. Yeah, totally. It's when all of that comes out and it's like, but on the other hand, like we shouldn't be surprised about that because, you know, of course, people are gonna are gonna abuse that. You know, they're going to abuse that power. Like, oh, you, you want a role in this like big blockbuster film that I'm gonna make? Well, you know, I'm gonna want something in return. And it's you know, it's not just your acting skills. There are other skills involved as well. And if you're not willing to do that, well, you know, it's too bad. There are like. 10 others lining up behind you who are willing to do that. Um, so true. And it's so natural that power corrupts the way it does. And it's also like, it's in our, the writer strike is fascinating too. Cause like, uh, I understand anyone's desire to save on labor and hire AI and then just have a human check the AI. Like that makes sense to me logically. And then it's also weird to like, demand that Hollywood lose money so that other people remain employed. And I think that it's interesting to watch people argue about this who aren't in that field. But then if the same conversation happened at their company, a lot of people who are on the writer side in theory wouldn't be on the writer side in their own company. You know, so like 
this is like a, a battleground to test people for other ways that AI is going to break in, you know? Yeah. No, it is. It is interesting, you know, especially with the whole rise of uh, of AI, and now you can um, you can fake voices with AI, and they sound really yeah. lifelike. Right. You know, you can you can bring Elvis back to life, if you will. You know, yeah. Elvis could, it, like, if you want to, you could have Elvis like drop a new album in twenty twenty four, even though he's been you know gone for decades. Um, so yeah, AI and the, just the entertainment industry as a whole, that's, that's gonna, it's gonna take some interesting twists and, and turns and, uh, with the writing and the, the writers strike, I, I, I try to keep up with it a little, but I mean, yeah, AI, it is cheaper. It is, it is easier and, you know, you just have to double check that you're not accidentally using someone else's content or you know like change it up to um you know like like that the meme like can i copy your homework yeah sure but you know change it up a little so it doesn't so it doesn't look like you actually copied me um the same thing is is gonna happen with with ai and i'm, I'm seeing a lot of um you know ai is not going to replace you it's people who know how to use ai that are going to replace you. Um, and have you um, have you been paying attention at all to the U.S. congressional interviews with um, people about the aliens and spacecrafts? Have you paid attention to that at all? Um, I, I I keep seeing it pop up. Um, yeah, but it's just fun- it's just funny because it's concurrent with AI, and it's funny yeah. that artificial intelligence and then alien intelligence are like both bubbly topics and uh i'm i'm a fan of like just information and like thinking so i'm philosophical is the best way to explain it um but i really don't have like a horse in any race like i'm just kind of like you know as long as people are being like i'm gonna be kind to you i'm gonna be kind to everyone i meet and if someone tells me don't be kind to that other tribe i'm just gonna ignore them and if i get killed in the process so be it so my point is <laughs> ai aliens all of it like i welcome all of it because i have to i don't want to live a stressed life where i defy reality so i am not here to say aliens are real or not i'm here to say that the fact that our government my government is openly trying to push that it is real on the populace is mind-blowing to me because it's it's a sea change of 85 years of saying no 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 this isn't happening so uh, like psyops is you know what we refer to when a government yeah. like tries to control the and it's just crazy that like the opposite psyop is now happening in my lifetime. And uh, I don't know who to trust, what to trust, but I do know that it is so fascinating that we might be dealing with another non-human being that seems smarter than us, telling us the truth of the universe while artificial intelligence starts surpassing our limited consciousness capacity to think and starts outthinking us to the point where we're so lazy that we're just like, hey, chatbot, tell me my own memory. Like I forget which band I like more Pink Floyd or the doors. Like, you know, like it's just, yeah. Yeah. And, and then like, at, at which point is that gonna cross over in each other? Where is, where is going to be the meeting yeah. point between well, <laughs> the two, two different kinds of AIs? Like it's both AI, alien intelligence, artificial yeah. intelligence. Yeah. Like, <laughs> is it 
is it going to cross over and where is it going to cross over and how, how do we fit into that picture do we fit into that picture like do we at fit? All? yeah totally <laughs> <laughs> yeah no i mean so I, interesting <laughs> yeah no for sure for sure you know and indeed like just the whole whole narrative shift i mean we're not really dealing with that here in the netherlands um you know our our cabinet our government just fell for the the fourth time in a row um they they didn't make the term it's like well yeah what do you expect you you elect the same prime minister for you know the fourth term and the last three that he did fell so you know but fourth time's the charm guys fourth time's the charm <laughs> Uh, we're about to have the same election that we had the last four years. So trust me, we're in familiar company. It's just yeah. people, no one wants to do something new. Everyone wants to just stay yeah, in this well, fake like, safe state, I think, you know. Sorry, please. Every everybody's always is always saying that they want change, but then when they can make change, when they can do something to 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 make that change, they're not doing it. You know, it's it's um, always talking about like time travel. Like, oh, don't if you go to the past, you know, and you go to the bathroom somewhere, like one drop next to the bowl, and you know, the dinosaurs are back to life <laughs> and whatever. Like, you no know, one thing in the past can have major consequences for you know the time now. But on the other hand, well, then what people don't think about is that something small that you are doing now can have major consequences for the future. You no know, good or, really? or bad. You know, it's that, it's that ripple effect. Like you throw a little, yeah. little pebble into, uh, into the lake and yeah, it's, you know, it's a small, small ripple at first, but it expands, it grows, it grows. And, you know, eventually it becomes the lake again. And that's, that's what people don't, don't think about. And I actually recently, um, spoke with someone about this uh about your like your shadow side and that's um like i i from a european perspective see that a lot happening in the u.s that always always waiting always asking always hoping for that that savior like always needing someone from the outside like from outside yourself to tell you what to do to tell you that it's gonna be okay i am going to save you whether that be you know trump or QAnon or you know like whoever it may be there's always someone from the outside who needs to you know to save us and it's like, guys you save yourself that's a very accurate analysis and i think it's um it's a shame. And I think it, it definitely comes from like, I think it's human nature to want your mommy or daddy to fix things for you and take care of you. Cause you know, even if you're in like in any tribal situation, no matter who you are, all humans are utterly incapable of self-sustaining life until a much later age than any other animal out there. Like, you yeah. know, deer come out with like legs that walk. Um, I have, you know, two kids third on the way you have a kid, like, you know how I mean, they're literally trying to kill themselves the first two years about <laughs> like, oh, is that poison? Let me like get into it and drink it, you know? And so uh, my, yeah. my overall point just being that um, in America, I think we really like uh, we do ourselves a disservice, which is we don't really raise children the way a lot of other cultures do, which is to give you more and more freedom pretty early and like advance you. We're kind of more like, 
protect the children, protect the children, like censor, like what's on TV, you know, don't let them listen to bad rap lyrics in the eighties. Like that was my generation was like, don't let them yeah. hear bad things. And you know, it's, it's weird because uh, you're not supposed to hate, let children hear bad things, but then we have like, you know, presidents, plural, like not just Trump saying like pretty atrocious things on television. And like, you know, uh, you but, can go back to, uh, yeah. 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 But, but that's okay because you know, they're the presidents and all. And yeah. Yeah. Like you, you so, can censor those people because that goes against freedom of speech and all. Um, yeah, like especially here in in the Netherlands, like we're we're pretty lenient, we're pretty relaxed. We're we're you know like I always tell people we're a sober folk. Like we don't really get hyped for you know for these things, you know, especially with the. You know, I, I I don't like talking about politics, but it's the best example that I have. You know, if the elections are here, you don't really see like all the um, all the fuss about it. Like people are not fighting each other over. No, this party is better, or that party is better, and we should like that person because you know reasons and whatever. And like we don't. Okay, this may be a very exaggerated example, but we don't shoot each other in the streets because, you know, you don't like my person. Um, yeah. You know, it's just like, oh, I guess it's time to time to vote again. I guess it's time for the politicians <laughs> to, you know, pre present themselves to be better than they actually are. Okay, here we go again. Well, the I think you were right, though. I think you're spot on that it's a lack of um, desire for accountability. So I'm not saying Americans aren't accountable. I don't care. It's not here or there. But what I am saying is we'd rather stick it on the political class. We'd rather be like, hey, you argue about climate change and you solve it for us, but we're not yeah. going to like demand it from you. And so it's just it sucks because, first of all, like I did study the Constitution a lot in college and in the American Constitution, I mean, and it was designed to not make change happen fast. Like that was the whole purpose was the quote unquote founding fathers of our country who, you know, get uh, their, their butts get licked to an absurd extent in my culture, but uh, they weren't idiots and they definitely were pretty prescient. Like they actually left specific technology out on purpose. because they said, we know that things are going to change, but they said the nature of humans is to make decisions too quickly and too reactionarily. So we're going to make it harder. Unfortunately, now we just kind of like, skipped the constitution and passed like executive orders and stuff and you know COVID was a great example because uh i don't care who you are and what you think COVID had like 16 stages of facts and they all changed and it kept changing and so even if you want to hold anyone accountable for anything the you know it's just it was a tap dance and it was a scary tap dance and of course you know i everyone was alarmed at first i always like to remind people of that when they get high and mighty and talking about COVID, and like there's not a single person out there who the first month or two wasn't like, okay, this is pretty scary, including politicians, including scientists. So, you know, every country dealt with it differently and every country is dealing with it differently. But I think the fact of the matter is if and when something comes out that is actually as bad as pretty much everyone thought it could be at first, we better have our, our shit together uh, worldwide, not just in America, because we failed like as a world, we like utterly failed a pretty, passable test in my opinion i don't know if you agree but that's you know yeah no that's that's um you know the science is fixed until it's not because it changed again um you know science says that 
this, but like, did they really give any sources? Did they ever really give any information? No, we're just supposed to blindly trust them. Why? Because they are the scientists. Yeah. Okay. But like, I'm, I'm seeing things for myself too. No, 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 no. You're not. You know, it's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we say it's not happening. We say it's, you know, this is happening. This is happening on a, a global scale. And then I, I just look around and I'm like, oh, no, I'm not seeing much of it. Oh, but trust us, it's happening. Um, and you can see and like headlines that say like it is this fact. And then you see like a very different headline, but there's no same newspaper. There's no retraction. There's no like we were wrong, but it's okay to be wrong. Because that's the other thing is like it's okay for science to change because that's the whole point of it is it's supposed to be objective yeah. and, and analytical. So like, you know, a virus can adapt and things do change and like the weather does change and like, you know, you, you don't fly a plane in certain weather. And if you're flying and the weather changes, you change your course. So that's how we should be responding to science as well, you know? Yeah, but somehow we are not even supposed to question science where we're not we're just we're simply not allowed to and like that that's the thing that always um always baffled me that i always like i i've i never had much affinity with authority I, uh, and you know <laughs> uh, uh, authority never really liked me either so you know, it's, uh, <laughs> yeah. it's uh, right a hel on. healthy toxic relationship um <laughs> but so you know when i'm i'm being told something and you know then i just ask the simple question okay why they're just like oh because we told you so it's like no sorry that that doesn't fly that doesn't fly with me i i i want actual answers not just why is it that way oh because we said it's that way Sorry, but I, I am still capable of thinking for myself, of formulating my own thoughts. You know, I do str still trust my senses, my own senses. You know, I don't see people dying in the streets. Well, that's all you, you know, you see on the news and mass graves and whatever. Well, I look around and all I see is people scared for their lives for something that they're being told on TV and on the radio is very bad for them. And I mean, like, I'm, I'm not saying that, uh, you know, the whole pandemic thing and viruses and COVID and whatever, that it doesn't, doesn't exist and that it hasn't, you know, hasn't been a danger for people. I'm just saying it's, I do still see things for myself and I do still question things for myself, but I'm, I'm really tired of not being allowed to. It's like, you know, trust us. Okay, but why? Because we're the scientists. Because we're the government. You elected us. You chose us to be your representative. And we're going to make all the decisions. And do we have any say in the matter? No, you don't. Because that's why you elected us. That's yeah. how that works. Well, it's funny because I see it the same way with spirituality. And that's why I always say, like, I'm spiritual. But I will never, ever to come to aligning myself with a religion, even if in my heart of hearts, I believe it, I won't do it because the tribalism and the, the officialism that we're talking about is too much to bear. So like, 
I may or may not have a direct spiritual experience and you might have the same one and I will coexist with you and live in the same world as you. And I will let you talk about yours and I'll talk about mine. But the second you start telling other people that you got a special message and you're delivering it to them, I'm like, Hey buddy, like tell them your message and leave it there. (laughs) Like let them, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, that that's, you know, like kind of bordering on, on cults ish. Yeah, Uh, totally. You know, like, I, I got this message from God and he told me to relay it to you. And, you know, don't you question it because I have a direct line with him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, no, the, the whole spiritual thing, like I, I do understand why, uh, why people say that, oh, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm spiritual, but I don't necessarily believe in, in one thing or the other. And, spiritual toxicity or spiritual uh you know like toxic communities it is unfortunately very much very much a thing i do i do see it happen a lot uh one moment my cat yeah. really wants to go out and he's gonna just yeah, I don't know otherwise bump the microphone up for a third time <laughs> <laughs> yeah moving on yeah okay we're back um but i mean i um i I do like i call myself a a germanic heathen germanic pagan um but like even within our own groups like even within germanic paganism and different tribes and whatever there is so much toxicity going on which is such such a shame and like people arguing over no you know this god he never said that he never did that you know that's 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 a christian thing and that's that's such a pet peeve of mine that i i can't get over like so many people are pagan simply because they're anti-christian they align Mm -hmm. themselves with pagans because they think the whole christianity thing is not true, it's bullshit, is whatever. So therefore, you know, pagan is the antithesis of that. So I'm pagan. No, you're anti-Christian. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Yeah. Well, that's why I see, yeah, it's just fascinating to me. And, uh, and again, like I, I respect it all. And I do understand, like, it's nice to meet people who think like you and feel like you, especially, and it's good to create communities. And I, and I see the same thing. I see the toxicity in like, self-help groups i've been in and stuff and i've seen like Mm. anytime something gets a little bit big like someone becomes a guru and i've even seen like the quote-unquote guru especially in one situation constantly say like stop calling me a guru don't do this and people just do it anyway they just like oh well they said this they said and it's like well they said not to say they said (laughs) like like do you see the irony here and then the other thing is we talked already about it but the the commercial factor the selling you know instagram spirituality is is psychotic to me um oh god yeah just and you know same thing in in music especially with in um you know like the more alternative scene like metal and punk and whatever like somehow it is expected of you to be that starving artist Mm -hmm. you know if you can't afford you know a room to sleep in just sleep in the van like doesn't matter if that's you know bad for your health, bad for your back, bad for, back for 
you know, for you in general, you know, so, and like everybody wants their, you know, their, their favorite bands to hear them on the radio, to have that success because, you know, oh, they're so good and, you know, you need to listen to them. But then when they do break through, it's like sellouts, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, but so what is it? Like, are we allowed to make a good living of our music, of our art, or are we supposed to stay this starving artist with a dream to one day, you know? And like, God forbid that you make something that is like radio friendly, because that's when you have truly sold out. If you make something that is, you know, that can be played on the radio for millions of people and people actually liking it, especially in the, the alternative scenes, like, oh, don't you dare. But, you know, we want to make money. Yeah, okay, cool. But do it within your own niche. Yeah. Why? I mean, I grew up, uh, so I grew up in the Bay Area of California, which is like San Francisco Bay Area, and that's where Metallica's from. And so unbeknownst to me, because I was born in 1981, Metallica was recording and, and releasing these like kick-ass albums for the first decade of my life. Anyway, when I came of age to like love music was around 9, 10, 11, which is when like the Black Album by them came out. And it's a famous example of what oh, we're yeah. talking about, which is like the Black Album, I don't care who you are. It's an amazing, epically good album. And Metallica didn't make it to become rich. They made it because that was the evolution of their career as a band. And they had just finished Injustice for All. And it's not a large leap from Injustice for All. It's just like, and, and so it's crazy to me. I'm going to see Metallica for like the, you know, something time in like a couple of weeks. And like, not all their new albums are great. And I don't love everything, but like the way people talk about them and complain about them especially when like the napster thing came out i don't know how old you are if you remember that but they like they actually were sticking up for small starving artists and instead the massive corporations like geffen records and all these record companies made them look like they're you know money grubbing and that's another thing i think people should remember is the uh the power of the media to take away someone's credibility is is outrageous yeah the the media definitely has has too much power um you know that that's another that really came out of the um the me too movement of course the whole uh cancel culture thing which is you know speaking of toxicity that's that's absolutely toxic and nowadays it's i've even seen um you know examples that like no actual proof is needed anymore especially from um you know from the female side you just say and and you know convince people that you know oh this this big time director this big time hollywood agent did things to you or asked things of you that he shouldn't and it's like you know and because so much has come out already people just believe it and well there are the consequences whether it happens or not um and it's funny that in response to that came a lot of the support for people like Trump and stuff. So like, it's very interesting that like, if you push too hard against something, you'll get a lot of ironic backlash to that, that never would have come in the first place. So there's a lot of great men and women out there who actually appreciate the intentions of the Me Too movement. And especially the first two years of it when like, you know, Harvey Weinstein is literally like a raping, like horrible man. And I'm glad he was cast out from his studio and put in jail and i'm glad that like 
you know, so, so it's interesting, but like now it's weird because the reaction to the reaction, you know, like the, and it's just crazy to watch it. It's like ping pong balls going back and forth in front of me. And I, I definitely agree with you. Like, believe all insert any noun i don't care like no i'm not going to believe all anything like that's silly um yeah i know exactly and you know with the whole harvey weinstein thing i mean yeah he is terrible and there are definitely many more like him that you know do still work in hollywood and are still you know up to those things it's just i guess their blackmail game is a little better um yeah probably i think he was also just over the top worse it's probably my guess i'm, I'm guessing I'm <laughs> yeah that's it, yeah. it uh, that that for sure does not help um <laughs> but yeah it's just it's so incredible just the the turns that society has has made like even in in the last even in the last like five years or just and I mean, Metallica is is indeed a great example of, you know, supposedly selling out. And I, I remember seeing things of it that um, I believe it was uh, the the front man who, like, he had the greatest retort to those allegations. We sold out? Yeah, man, we sell out every evening. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it, you said it earlier, so it's, I'm parroting what you said, but, like, usually you root for people you love to make it like you just it's, yeah. it's human nature to like want people you like to become successful like i'm always happy when a band i like doesn't come to the small club anymore i'm, I'm disappointed that i have to spend a lot more and have to like wait in a long line to get into an auditorium but like you know that, yeah that comes crazy. with the success that they have you know i mean yeah. is it it's it's just a question of is it worth it you know mm -hmm. i'm i'm rooting for these these smaller bands, I want, I want for them to make it big. You know, I, I have seen bands grow big. You know, one, uh, one great example. You know, new metal is on the rise again for some reason. Um, yeah. You know, and a good example of that is uh, from Ashes to New. They really have a good, um, like they're kind of new metal. They, they're um, kind of like rap rock meets metal they're 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 a great band and i remember jesus like years ago i believe this is, this must have been like nine ten years ago they just randomly started following me on twitter because you know i was following some some bands that they have a similar sound to and i love them i love their music right away which was you know just an ep at that time you know four or five songs maybe and now they are you know they are playing those those big gigs they are doing full-length albums and selling well and merchandise is selling well and they're you know they're making great music and I, you know i'm so happy for them because it is a great band they seem like great great guys and the music is awesome but you know, then on the other hand, there are so many people who are like, oh, you know, you should have stayed small and, you know, you sold out and you've you sold your, your values and whatever. And, but I just, I, I, it's, I don't get it. I don't like be happy for them. Be happy that like, making a living, a good living in the entertainment industry is so hard because nothing is guaranteed. Like you're, your fans are your money like yeah you can make a full-length album sure but if nobody buys it 
then what are you? You know, a very like one of those hundreds of unsuccessful bands that never made it. Yeah, I think um, two things that we're seeing in the modern era, and what I mean by that is specifically like the online social media era. So it's not the internet. The internet was out for 15 years and everything was the same in my society. What really changed things was this braggadocious platform where you can like mm -hmm. advertise yourself, talk about yourself, complain about someone else. And I think humans inherently want to be kind and loved and loving, but humans also are very driven to mimic and ape other humans' behavior. And so what's happening very unfortunately, in my opinion, is that no one on social media gets a lot of press if they're nice and if they're supportive, but you get yeah. a ton of reactions if you're mean or snarky or like sarcastic. So, and then people mimic each other. So like the younger generation just thinks, Oh, it's normal to like post. You should die on like a random person. I don't know page because they said an opinion that's different from mine. And with no face and no reaction and no real time interaction, it's very easy to be mean. So I think, I think we're going to solve this, but I think it's not going to be like from the top down. I think like younger people are going to just, figure out to stop using it. And I just, that's what I have to hope. <laughs> um, I don't know. Do you have yeah. any thoughts on that? No, I, I, no, I, I think that's, I think that's true. You know, it's very, um, like you, you have to have some sort of gimmick or you're expected to have some sort of, of a gimmick. Like uh, um, in the, the very early days that was kind of limited to, uh, to pro wrestling or you know the theater, I'm mean, yeah. pro wrestling kind of yeah. is, is theater. You know, totally. I'm a big pro wrestling fan, so you know, it's very you, you have these characters, you have these gimmicks, you have the heel, you know, the bad guy, you have the face, the good guy, and oh, you know, they're mortal enemies on on screen, of course, you know, but that's that's the theater part, and you know, you see it nowadays even in um, you know, like actual combat sports like the UFC, for example. Biggest and most well-known example of that being Conor McGregor. Yeah, you know, he yeah. presented himself as this, <laughs> this tough guy, this bad guy and whatever, and it worked. He made some oh, yeah, serious money. So you know, He hasn't fought yeah. in the UFC for a few years now, but everybody is still talking about him. Totally. So it, so it worked. But yeah. like all the other fighters, they can be great fighters. You know, they can finish everyone, you know, never get, never get submitted, never get knocked out, whatever. And, but just being a great fighter, being a great entertainer isn't enough. You, you have to have that, that little extra. You have to have that, that gimmick. You have to have a certain character you know or take something from you and like blow it up times 10 and well you just uh you just reverse engineer donald trump's entire success story so it's like funny <laughs> that uh people still don't want to see that in my culture it's crazy i know every other country can see it it's so like obvious but in in america even like people who like him don't want to admit that very often and people who hate him especially can't see that and it's just fascinating to me that he's tricked not half of us because again there are plenty of people like me in america who are not fooled by either side of this but uh unfortunately it seems a lot of people really are fooled and they just think like 
oh, he's actually the heel that he says he is, where no, he's he's a heel. And then the other side is like, oh no, he's great. He's, you know, the promise leader. And I'm like, no, 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 he's an actor, like a heel. And like, so it's crazy. <laughs> Trump is literally in the WWE Hall of Fame. So And that's so <laughs> funny that like thank you for noticing that and knowing that it it is crazy to grow up when I did because I was born in eighty one, like I said. So I saw Donald Trump be a like genuinely not vilified human in the media in the early late 80s early 90s then i saw him on wrestling doing that thing i've never watched his show after that you know i'm not like yeah. a huge pop I mean, culture person but it's no it's you know like the, five the, lives <laughs> the, the fight between two billionaires you know vince mcmahon yeah. and donald trump yeah you know it's i mean only in pro wrestling only in theater are you gonna find storylines like that but you know the difference with pro wrestling is people know that it is staged people know that what they are seeing in the ring you know there are agreements made it's a character it's you know maybe based on themselves i i did train pro wrestling for a while it's not not my thing unfortunately but um you know what i've been told is just to like take one thing of yourself you know one one thing of your character and blow it up times 10 and if you know if you're too bland, just you know take your three, two, three favorite wrestlers, mash them up, and create something from that. You know, rather have you know something that's stolen well than created bad. <laughs> that's um, good. I like that. That's cool. But you know, and but and like we got. We got savvy with it with pro wrestling, you know the uh, like kayfabe, the the world of wrestling. It kind of broke, and we got savvy to it. And like, oh, it's fake, and I hate when people say that because it's not fake, you know. Take a dive from a ten foot ladder, land flat on your back. Tell me it's fake. <laughs> <laughs> They're such good athletes, so it's crazy that people don't like. It is yeah. it's always interesting it to talk to a, someone who knows this because it's just they're in the best shape. Uh, and you know, part I'm, I'm not saying this about you, but one of the main reasons when I was like 10, 11, that I didn't become a professional wrestler, there's a million, I, I could never hit the weight room that long and that hard and, and train my body that much. I mean, it's crazy. Like, they, yeah, they have a dedication to their crafts and you know, like no other. And yeah, they are, you know, they are superstars, they have a certain gimmick they don't use their real names or often don't use their real names they use a stage name and whatever but then you know behind the scenes they're everyday people like you and me so and like especially with you know especially with donald trump i think it's so funny because you know the donald trump we saw in the white house i i haven't seen his shows but i know of his reputation of course i don't think it was like that different of the Donald Trump that you know you you saw on TV or you know you saw in in the WWE, like he is still that character Donald Trump. He's just you know he had to take things a little more seriously. But people are still talking about him. You know he's he he lost his term or his his second term. He didn't get his second term. And there is still some discrepancy about that. Um. <laughs> I can't. But living in this but, country is insane, man. I just can't. It's so funny. But still, people talk about him. Still, oh, there yeah. are still people who are wanting to drag him in court, and it, it's like, what? like, and why? 
and he, he makes what he does, so much. He yeah, he makes so much money from the people who hate him. That's the funny. It's like the ironies yeah. of like all it would have taken. I kept telling this to people who like, and, and I should just say this to him. I'm on a podcast no one knows me i did not vote for donald trump i had no like love for the guy i I absolutely think he's annoying i wish he had not been my president but i'm also not a dyed in wool blue democrat i'm like one of those weird americans who absolutely really doesn't like either party and thinks they're both kind of in cahoots so just with all that said so that you can label me judge me and hate me as much or as little as you want i'm really not on either of your side if you're in my country and you're deeply entrenched in red blue uh politics sports as i call it um but with all that said i kept telling people who hated donald trump because i again i wasn't a fan of the guy and i did not want him to be my president i was like just stop paying attention to him stop paying attention to him like just like a toddler just like anyone who's getting that much attention just turn the camera away but no the opposite happened and it's still happening cnn just had him on cnn is like the i hate trump network so what do they do they they pay donald trump to do a town hall meeting in my country and televised it, giving him a huge boost in the polls. Um, under, you know, the, the media rhetoric of, like, we're here to, like, lampoon him and watch him crash and fail. But, yeah, so it's crazy. It's utterly I, – I could talk about him to anyone for hours because of why we're talking about him. He, he has duped people over and over again throughout his career. I, I don't know when he's going to die, but he will be a headline through his death. Like, <laughs> yeah. And, you know, people are just, are probably going to show up to his funeral just to make sure that he is actually dead. <laughs> That's great. That's brilliant. <laughs> I want to make it, sure, like, cramming up in the coffin. Is, it, is he gone? Is he really gone? Yeah. This, like, You're, you is know that, what? Is this really Donald Trump and not just a mannequin? <laughs> You're a prescient person, and I, I seriously want you to, like, say I said it first when this happens. There's going to be a whole QAnon thing of he didn't die, like, Elvis times a million. You're oh, right. For sure. You're utterly right. With yeah. With Trump? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Like, yeah. Right after the news comes out, QAnon's gonna do, yeah. you know, a, a drop. Um <laughs> you know, he's still You're alive. So... It's just you know, he's just underground, like literally underground. And, oh, and yeah. then full circle yeah. to be the same AI technology you talked about that actually makes it seem like he is alive and someone will just Ooh. run the bot account. In, in, in yeah. combination with the uh, the holographic the hologram <laughs> yeah. uh, that yeah. we can do now, you know, if we can make Tupac perform again, and we can like now, you know, have AI voices who are like so close to reality, I am sure we are like faking your own death has never become easier. Yeah, it's yeah. never been easier now. You know, you can like you can fake your own death and still be alive oh that's that's for sure ladies and gentlemen if you are watching if you are listening you heard it here first you know this this is gonna happen you know just look at look at everything look at the history look at you know the supposed connections shit like this is gonna happen for sure and it's gonna be it's gonna be hella entertaining actually from the people who who just look at it from the outside you know we're just gonna be like yeah I can tell you so. You no, know, oh, they're ripping it up. Oh, this is gonna get interesting. <laughs> Grab the popcorn. Yeah, it's cool because you have the same attitude I do, which is like you can't take things too seriously. But a lot of people think when you have kids, that's not true, and it's nice and refreshing to meet someone who like I have children. I love them. I hope this world lasts for them, especially like pollution wise. I'm trying very hard mm-hmm. on my whole life to not pollute. But with all that said, 
we don't know what's going on. We don't know paganism, Christianity, or some other thing, aliens, AI. It's just crazy. And, and the absurd arrogance to think you matter and that you know what's going on is like just that's mainly why I write is to yeah. put against that. Just all forms of arrogance with like those two subjects. Yeah, I mean the the only thing that I know is that I I don't know. Yeah. Socrates. <laughs> yeah. I mean it's it's easiest. I'm sorry. One of the two probably. Um but yeah. yeah. I mean it is it is as easy as that. Like I am learning new things every day, you know, and I I've said it often here here on the podcast in the the year let's say year that I'm uh, I'm doing it now. I have learned so much more than in my, you know, my years in school, like my 18 years in, in school, I have learned so much more from just talking to people, just having an open conversation with people and even people who like are standing directly opposite from what I believe. You know, a few weeks ago I had someone on to, um, uh, you know, to, to talk about the afterlife, but he was like a, a diehard Protestant Christian. So we couldn't be more different. Yet I was on with him for, I'm going to say like a good, good hour and a half, almost two hours. Because, you know, I, I keep an open mind and it shouldn't be that hard. It's like, okay, you believe that I believe this. Let's just, you know, either put that aside or actually listen to each other. You have your opinions, you have your thoughts, I have mine. Let's see if we can, you know, if we can find some sort of of middle ground. And I guess that's yeah. what I did with the, the Ragnarok series as well, because I, I saw that, you know, in, uh, in North Germanic, it's Ragnarok. In the East, it's the Kali Yuga, the, you know, the, the Christians, or from Greek, of course, it's the Apocalypse. You know, everybody has a end of the world theory and a lot of things match. A lot of things match with those with that. A lot of things are, you know, they have in common. And that's also what I was looking for. Like, okay, we're saying it's gonna go like this. How is it related to what they say? Can we relate it to what they say? Is there any relation at all? And I had a lot of fun doing that. They were long ass shows, but yeah. I, I, I learned a lot. Like we had Christians on, we had non-believers on, decoders, pagans, just everything, the whole shebang. We, and I think what you said that I do see as like the main roadblock. And again, um, this is, uh, you know, you start out like, what do you do? I do podcasts, I do blogs, I do nonfiction, uh, fiction novels and stuff. So my, my point of making the statement is each has its own purpose. And the purpose of the nonfiction specifically, the weekly essays is designed to take down what you just mentioned, which is people who can't put it aside. People who think that like, no, no, no the actions of others reflects on me and I have to control their bad behavior or I'm going to go to hell or I'm going to, you know what I mean? And again, I'm not going to make it hell because that's too specific. Uh, but even with Trump Biden, even with like COVID, it's like, there's a weird thing where you have to just learn to let go and be like, yeah, if my neighbor's like running at my house with a gun and torches, self-defense is going to be necessary. And like, I do need cooperation and help, but like, 
and again, I'm going to like piss off a lot of people, but I think your podcast is designed to like promote free speech. Uh, that's For the main sure. problem with the abortion crisis in America. The issue of abortion is exactly this, which is people really feel like, no, 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 I'm watching someone murder someone and I have to stop that. And then the people who have their baby inside them. And again, I think just because America lampoons this conversation, most people in America aren't actually thinking that uh, women go out and have promiscuous sex, get pregnant and then get abortions. That's silly and absurd. Like most of the debate is about underage people who weren't careful and didn't know really what was happening. And then they want to make a change or what's even more common is an older woman is pregnant and there's a, um, a birth defect and it's detectable and knowable. So those are the two, you know, like certain, but the, the, like, I regret having this sex abortion conversation is, is silly and not real. So with that said, uh, I think the real problem is there really are people who like from birth, they read the Bible and they really think there's an angry guy in a chair who's going to judge them. And, and the fear of hell is, is a really bad thing to pull on humanity like like fear incentives which we saw with covid which we see so much in this world it's not the way to raise a child you shouldn't make your child scared to make them behave and that's what we try to do with cooperation of citizens in, in many countries not just america um but i only feel comfortable talking about my country so that's you know why yeah no, I, I mean i no, i totally get it and you're you're absolutely right you know it's it's uh, fear is it's incredibly limiting it's, you know, and as you said, you know, the way you, you um, especially in the US, you bring up your children, you know, very limited exposure, like only exposure to the things that, you know, that you think are good, that you find, you know, tasteful and acceptable and, you know, but that's, that, that's how you're, that's, that's how you get like, um, you know, bubble boy, like you really you quite literally grow up in a bubble and you don't know anything outside of that, which is a danger as well. Because if they, if your kids don't know that those dangers exist, then how are you going to prepare them for that? Like you can't shield them forever. Like there is going to come a time. I am not looking forward to that already. And my <laughs> youngest, my youngest is five. So luckily, you know, it's going to, okay. going to be a while. Yeah. Um, but you know, they're, they are going to become their own person. They are going to move out yeah. of the house. They are going to start living in this world for themselves. And you have to prepare them for that. You have to prepare them for, for everything. Teach them the yeah. good, but also teach them that the bad does exist and how to shield them from it. Or, you know, how to, how to deal with it if, you know, you can't shield from it, you know, toxic work yeah. environments and whatever, you know, yeah. that, that shit happens. Okay, so how do you deal with it? Don't tell them it doesn't exist or, you know, shield as a parent, shield them from it. It's only going to be to their detriment. And how do you feel looking at your own life and with self-reflection, but also looking at having children? How much do you think is nurture and nature, if any? Like, what percent? Um, like, start with yourself. Like, do you feel like with or without the parents you had and the upbringing you had, you would have been pretty much who you are now? Or do you think a lot of it was nurture or a lack of nurturing? Again, I'm not getting personal. I'm just, you know. Ooh, uh, that's, that is a, a good one, especially now being a parent myself. I, that's what changed I it for see, me. That's why I'm asking. Yeah, yeah. 
yeah same big same um like a lot of the the things that my parents taught me or tried to uh to teach me stubborn as all hell um (laughs) (laughs) but i i do see the value now i see the greater value of it you know i'm no i'm no longer that stubborn teenager who's like you know whatever mom dad you don't know me you don't you don't know what you're talking about but (laughs) you know i i've i even caught myself more times than one sounding exactly like my father you know saying the things that (laughs) saying the things that my my father used to say to me and then i'm just like oh shit i've become my dad (laughs) And then you respect your dad a lot. You see it very differently, like yeah, or hopefully, you know, yeah, like yeah, no, no, definitely. And uh, so, how much of it is nurture? How much? How much of it is nature? I think um, a lot of it is nurture. I'd say the the biggest part of it is nurture. Um, you know, things like uh, we. Like I mentioned earlier, like cold stuff and all. I do think that a lot of uh, cold leaders either had a um, like a very horrible upbringing, or you know what we just spoke about a a upbringing that was like too shielding, too much in in a bubble, and mm-hmm. you know now they have people listening to them and doing whatever they doing whatever they say that should be done so they are going to to take that to the max you know they are gonna see how far they can they can push that you know i don't believe that anyone is inherently evil i don't believe that anyone is born evil And then what about like um, when you see like your kid have like the temper of your spouse or the mother, whatever the situation is, uh, versus like you see your temper and stuff, like how much does that play into your answer? Because that's, you know, another thing I think about a lot. Uh, um, yeah, I mean, ge- genetics is is a huge part, of course. Uh, but I think as a parent, it's also how you how you deal with that like yeah i i do yeah, definitely yeah. with my with my son you know he, he may be five years old but he's definitely a mini me yeah um, yeah <laughs> which can be incredibly confronting at times <laughs> uh you know seeing him do things that you know i would do too when i was his age um yeah. but like i i do believe then it's you know up to you as a parent to explain why you should should or should not be doing that you know it's like okay i get that you know you're feeling a certain way that you want to do things a certain way i understand i'm the same way you know you are my child of course you do um but you know there is a a better way there is a healthier way of doing that especially with uh you know with with, with a with rising tempers i mean um my wife is well, not uh, the mother of my um of my children not not yet we do want a child for ourselves yeah. as well um 
But like I, I do see that that Red Hat temper with my daughter, and I do see that you know I do see a rambunctious little five-year-old boy running around and just you know doing boy stuff. Um, and it's it's just how how you handle that as a parent. If it's if it's too much, if it's you know damaging, whether damaging your environment, like actually wrecking things um you know you you tell them like hey you shouldn't be doing that but um you know you, you need to take some action with that as well like you can't just tell your kids to do or not do anything you know show them what they should be doing instead because mm-hmm. i know i know for sure you know my kids i mean they're <laughs> they're definitely a lot like their like their father as well, a lot like me as well I can tell them not to do it, but if I don't give them an alternative, you know, then what's, what was it and why? You know, I, I can tell them till I'm blue in the face, you should be doing it this way. Okay. But am I actually going to show them? Because kids, they... That, that's how they learn best you know you show them how to do it yeah. because they don't they don't listen that's you know i say this to people because again in america I'm, I'm not like purposefully antagonistic i'm actually purposefully trying to get people to see how stupid it is to be in a tribe of like us versus them and really you know politically and in all other categories so like going back to you know the repetitive theme that is by the way on every podcast i'm ever on and everything it always comes down to talking about donald trump i i can't explain it but <laughs> i think he's a he's a good like plant for like people to have a conversation about what we're talking about which is i always tell people i'm like do you want your kid to to mimic the behavior of either joe biden or donald trump and like i'll watch people squirm before they pretend that they believe yes you know but i'm like no in that moment you squirmed, I know you saw what I see, which is like, no, we keep electing people who don't model the behavior we want our children. And then when our children grow up to behave like them and think that's how you succeed, why wouldn't they? Like, it is true in America that if you are bragging all the time and advertising yourself, you will get further in areas of life, you know? But uh, Donald Trump had horrible parents by his own accounts and his relatives. They were not great parents you know they didn't love him a lot and nurture him and uh he actually seems to be nurturing his children a lot which is interesting so he seems to like be a very different father than he is like a a president so to speak but anyway this is all just interesting to me because it is it's, it's what we're talking about which is emulation and like so you know why are like don't promote musicians who like lead horrible lives if you don't want that you know what i mean like like if an athlete like punches his girlfriend it's probably appropriate to suspend them permanently or you know whatever like it's probably not appropriate to say oh you're gonna sit one game like because then every kid's gonna be like okay if i punch my wife i have to sit one game like no like that's not cool like yeah you know you're just you're gonna get off with a with a slap of the wrist and wag of the finger and you know don't do that again it's like okay you know that's that no, indeed. You know what? What does that teach our children? Do whatever, if as long as you're, you know, famous enough. And I think that's where it's going to be harder for. It's already hard for parents with kids who are in their tweens and thirteen, fourteen, fifteen. But you and I have younger children, and 
they're also going to grow up with like this influence of internet culture that you and I absolutely cannot control. And they, they are, they're going to see that like, like girls, the more skin you show, the more likes you get, like period. End of story. Yeah. Not a debate. You can't say like, that's not true to your kid. No, it is entirely true. So how are you going to explain to a prepubescent girl, especially here's why you shouldn't be posting that online. Here's why you shouldn't be sharing that on Snapchat with the guy at school. Like it's very hard. Like, and again, you and I aren't doing this yet, but you know, just as I do that this is coming. Like this is a hundred percent coming. And our parents do not have to deal with this. (laughs) No, no, they're, they're lucky when it comes to that. Yeah. No, I I can't, I can't wait till my daughter brings home her first boyfriend. It's going to be so much fun. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's I'm crazy. Gonna, I'm just gonna I'm gonna scare the living shit out of him. <laughs> <laughs> do you did you have a girlfriend though on the way up to life through life whose dad was really nice to you? Because I had two and like I remember like remembering that, you know, like it, it was very life changing to not have my first girlfriend's dad was not like the shotgun carrying, like, you know, don't touch I my dad. I just daughter. wanna talk to him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. He was like very nice and he like really like trusted me. And, and again, I think it's because I was nice. You know, I think he met me, we locked eyes and he was like, okay, this guy is not that guy, yeah. you know? Whereas if I had been that guy, I hope for his sake and everyone else's that he had, you know? Yeah, no. And I, I think, you know, especially with your, um, with your daughter as a, you know, as a, as a girl dad, um, it's, it's different. You know, you're, yeah. you're extra protective over them. You know, if you're, if your son brings home a girl, it's like, hey, you know, way to go, dude. Yeah. But you know, then, level <laughs> yeah. But then you know, then it's their their mom who's like, hey, you better treat my boy right, okay? <laughs> totally, totally. Yeah, uh, so, and it, yeah, it'll, it'll, it's, yeah. It's 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 an interesting interesting dynamic, uh, and that's that's you know why I also believe that uh, both parents should be involved in raising a child yeah which is a rarity nowadays unfortunately and i i am you know quite saddened to say that i unfortunately belong to the category of single parents as well so yeah and it's it's fascinating because you know i'm divorced i'm remarried and so my current marriage is very good it will be good and the reason why has a lot to do with the fact that i already got a divorce and i learned a lot about like cooperation getting along especially just letting small things happen like really that's like if you want to avoid fights with your spouse it does not matter which gender you are or if you're in a same gender relationship in all relationships learn to pick which battle actually matters like you can't fight all of them you'll you'll just self-destruct but my my overall point is that uh i don't raise my son mainly he's in another country and it's horrible and it sucks for him it sucks for me and uh getting to hands-on raise my other kids is a different experience. And it's like, I see like, I always try to help people see that like, whether or not you got married, if you're in a bad relationship, you should get out. And if you have kids, you should especially get out. But then what we just said is like another important thing, which is you probably should stay close. Like you should probably respect each other enough to like, unfortunately, kind of stay put and so my situation's absurd um it's so out there that i'm not going to talk about it like with respect to this point but uh that's like the saddest thing to me is when a couple breaks up and then one of them just takes the kid and they and they're raised without the two influences 
though, because I do respect divorce. I mean, it's it's necessary sometimes. Yeah, I mean, the, there is unfortunately such a thing as um, being with the wrong person. I mean, I, I have experience with that as well. The uh, the mother of my children. Um, I I always say that you know I love my kids. I I wouldn't want have I, I wouldn't want them any other way. You know. But I wish I could have had them with a different mother. I wish I could have had them with, um, you know, with my, my current wife. Uh, yeah. Then, you know, then the picture would be perfect. Then it would be yeah. complete. Unfortunately, that's not the case. And I have to deal with, um, with the consequences of that. So, yes, I love my children. Yes, I, I want my children. I want to be involved with um you know in 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 their life it's just i don't like their mother as much or anymore at least mm-hmm. I, I did i did once of course otherwise we wouldn't have two yeah. kids um yeah. but yeah sometimes it's it's only afterwards it's only after a while that you realize the mistake and now you have to pick up the pieces, start over again, and take those lessons with you. You know, I just saw a study that actually says uh, divorce is, is rate is going down slightly, which is mind-blowing to me. I would never in a million oh. years have thought that, but yeah. Or at least in uh, America. It might have been confined to my country. I didn't check very carefully. I mean, America basically is the standard for the Western world. I, but, I mean, I would say like in Western civilization, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shocking, you know? Oh, but that's, that's, that's great. Actually, because yeah. it used to be like what 50 50, like uh, almost half of all marriages end up in divorce. Yeah, and if you have kids, it's even higher. So it's interesting, like they can subdivide the stats. And I think France has the worst of any country in the world. I think it got as high as 75% in France, um, which you know, you live north of that. So there, there's it, a lot of if you've been to France a lot, you can see a lot of reasons for that. But. It's always the French. Sorry, I just killed your <laughs> French fan base. I know. <laughs> one, uh, one sentence. Um, hey, they don't use growth hormones in their food, so viva la France. <laughs> yeah, no, that's oh, that's another shocking thing, you know, compared to you. Like, uh, so many things, like so many additives that you find in, um, in food in America or things that it's processed with is outright banned here in Europe. Did you did you notice that I did not ask you why you're not moving to America? <laughs> At no point did that cross my mind because I'm like, oh yeah, that's so cool. His wife gets to go to a, a, a and I mean again, I'm Americans hate. I hate it when Americans say Europe is better than America because that's not true. You can't say something's better, but like, holy crap, do you guys have your s together better than we do when it comes to a <laughs> lot of things? And like, it is yeah, it's just crazy. Yeah, yeah. Um, Especially when it comes to things like uh, healthcare and education, I'm not going to say it's perfect. And, we yeah. definitely and have, like... <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. You know the, the the things that keep you a healthy human being. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> if you're into longevity, which who gives a crap about that? Like, <laughs> yeah, and I mean also just seeing the um, like the obesity rates in in America versus. Uh, you know, like the Netherlands, for example, like 
if you if you look at America, I, I've I've been to uh, I've, of course you know I've I've been to Colorado. I've I've been I visited uh, my wife, you know, seeing her home home state and all. It's beautiful. Did you know that Colorado is our least obese state? Did your wife tell you that? I'm dead serious. You, you want to be healthy. Oh, wow. in oh yeah. 100%. You can like Google it. Colorado. I live in Arizona. We're like the two quote unquote healthiest states when it comes to obesity. Now, before you stand up and applaud us, uh, that means <laughs> like slightly under a third. Okay. So like, <laughs> the average just, state of America has a third of the population, adult population. It's important to separate this, uh, is yeah, obese. Yeah. That's the average. Okay, that means there are states where it's much higher. Oh. The Deep South, for example. Oh, and then Christ. Colorado and Arizona are like slight... And again, Colorado beats my state, Arizona. And I'm not from here, but uh, the, the point is, you have visited Colorado, and you're talking about how you saw with your own eyes obesity, which you did, and I'm, you know, I, it's crazy. And, oh, it's utterly crazy. Yeah, but like also just the amount of like fast food joints. Mm-hmm. And and I really had issues with you know healthy eating there because yep. everything was either tons of sugar or tons of salt. Yeah, totally. No, the um, my wife and I cook at home mostly when we go out. We try to be health conscious. Although, like I said, though, I mean, like I live in Phoenix, Arizona. We're like the sixth biggest city in America, and we definitely have like much healthier options you know like there's even some fast food like vegan places popping up here and stuff so yeah but even those like just you know before people get on the whole like like vegans eat too much sugar too vegans like you can buy fake you can be any lifestyle in america and be very unhealthy like we have made it easy for you to say you're healthy on paper um even the drinking culture has like this crazy like oh i drink like this non-alcoholic drink and i'm like yeah but it's like a super sugary like drink yeah. like you're not <laughs> you might be better off with wine in the states like <laughs> yeah it's just you know i'll have a big mac menu uh, 24 pieces of chicken nuggets yeah. uh, but you know and a diet coke <laughs> so accurate it's it's like oh yeah because that that diet coke is gonna make the difference oh but it says diet which means healthier mm-hmm. yeah sure what is um I like to ask this because, you know, I, like I said, I was an ESL teacher. So I taught um, non-Americans for uh, nine or 10 years and I, you know, thousands. And I love, 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 love. Like I've been to a bunch of countries interacting with people from other cultures. So what would be the thing you find still the most attractive about America, especially having visited here? Like what is something you would say? No, no, but there is this selling point. Um. I'd say, well, the thing that that America does proud itself of, the diversity, just the diversity in nature, the diversity in people, diversity in just in in so many things. Like no two states are the same. No two cities are are the same. And I, I totally understand why so many Americans never leave the U.S. because... Why, you know, why, why should you, you have everything like you want beaches, go, you know, go to California, go to Florida, just, you know, the coasts, you'll find beaches there. Theme parks throughout the country, woods, you go to, what is it like the, the Northwest or whatever, Washington, oh, yeah. Oregon. The, the biggest rainforest in the world. <laughs> yeah. You know, and if you want, 
if you want deserts and, and crazy people, go to Texas. Yeah. Or no, Arizona. We got to. We're, we're oh, right. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just depend, uh, depends on where you want to be in the country. So, yeah, I mean, that's yeah. that's the one thing. Um, that's cool. That's a good answer. Yeah. But I mean, then again, you know, here in, in Europe, like we do have all of that as well, but just in different, different countries still, you know, open borders, we can freely travel uh, throughout Europe. It's just, you know, we're, we're going to have to learn a, a different language is all. No, I would definitely, um, yeah, I would, I would stick up for like the EU idea and say that like it is post um, Berlin Wall, like it's pretty cool that like when I did my, you know, every American who is affluent and curious does the backpacking trip, which I am yeah. free to and did. So, and it, it is, it's eye-opening. You know, I went to every, I went to the Netherlands. Of course, I call Amsterdam the Netherlands because I'm a dumb American. And, uh, <laughs> but, um, but my point is, yeah. you know, like we do do this circuit and we do, if we, if we are privileged enough to do it, and I mean that word like accurately, um, it is a great eye-opening experience because you do have everything. And it really is like, your countries are what states are like. Um, and even here, like, I guarantee you, if I play you a tape of a person from, like, the Cajun region of Louisiana talking, you will not understand a word they are saying, even with English. So even that has a little truth to it. Like, I've been on vacations yeah. to states where I'm like, could you repeat that? Excuse me. <laughs> like, so Yeah, no, no, definitely. Like, my, uh, my, my wife, she is a lot of, um, a lot of family down south. You know, a lot of her family oh, is okay. from... Yeah from texas um so she 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 has it she has that that southern accent a little um but you know it, it's it's true when you hear those people talk it's like okay i'm gonna need a translator for this <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> but i mean it's hard. And it, like but even here in the netherlands we have the same same thing it's just well uh with cities really like if the uh the people who have lived in well in amsterdam for all their um for their whole life they have a different accent than the people from my hometown or you know or the hague or whatever like it's the difference like city accents and then you have like the um like the the actual dutch like the civilized dutch um but it's, you know, it's it's funny. Like, I always say to people, like, people from my hometown of, you know, of Leiden, if they really put on that thick accent of it, or if they just have that, like, thick accent naturally, you don't understand a word they're saying. It's Dutch, but with such a thick accent, it's just... Wow. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. I have no idea what you just said. <laughs> it's so interesting. Yeah. And teaching ESL was really eye-opening to me because you got to like get to know people and really hear this. And, you know, it's true in Korea. It's true everywhere. Like in Korea, there's like, you know, Busan versus um, Seoul, like the two, you know, like a lot of civic pride and regionalism. And, and you see, this is part of why I tell people don't over clap when like a certain form of diversity appears because like, the tribal urge among humans is great. Like it's very strong and you know, I love sports and I see it in myself through sports because like, it's fun to fake hate the other team. It's very fun. But when I see like someone real hate and then they like kill a fan, you know, it's like tragic and, and heartbreaking. And then I'm like, I hope they don't take sports away from me because 
other people can't handle this. Like, you know, it's the same way I feel yeah. about like a lot of drugs. Like uh, there are so many people who can safely experiment with psychedelics. And I wish it was a little more like open, especially here in America. And it's starting to get that way. But at the same time, I don't want like around the corner psychedelic stores because I don't want my 14 year old kid doing them because <laughs> you know, if I didn't yeah. ask when I was 14, I would have absolutely lost my mind. There's no way I could have handled that level of consciousness at that age. Oh no, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Or at least and, I, you know, yeah. I mean, you know, here in the Netherlands, we're a lot more, a lot more lenient about it. You know, the, the, the coffee shops, for example, I mean, you can get coffee there, but it's not their main product. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I don't think I tried coffee once in my <laughs> four days there. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. No, but um, I mean, they're, they're very, very prevalent. And yeah, you have people sm like smoking weed from like when they are 16, which is way too, way too early. But then it, it's funny. I just had this conversation on another, other show. Like if you compare Europe to the US, like especially age-wise age -wise and what you can do and can't do, um, like I was able to buy beer and wine like the the kind of uh, the soft liquors uh like everything i believe like 15 percent and below um, when i was 16 like now now it's it's they upped it to 18 like any form of alcohol 18 uh cigarettes 18 lotto 18 just 18 is pretty much the standard um but then you know you look at the states and it's like you can drive a car from 16 you can know join the army and play the lotto when you're 18 but don't you dare drink a beer until you're 21 yeah and it's obnoxious i agree it's hard you know we talked about parenting like even as a parent i would have trouble like one of my kids might be ready at 14 and the other might not be ready at 18 and also i sadly i do know alcoholics and that just sucks man that's a that's a you got a shitty ticket like, what am I supposed to tell you? Like, I've had friends, like, you put us all in the same room, I'll stop after two or three drinks because I feel a little, like, sick and I don't want to feel sicker and I'm happy and I want to ride the night out. And I have friends who, like, they cannot stop, but then the next day they don't have to start again. And then there's that third category, which is, like, they can't stop and they start early the next day and it sucks. It's, like, I don't want to ban anything because of a few bad actors, but I do see why this is such a, like, debate because it's not... Like, it's not the same thing as, like, I believe this thing. It's like, no, 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 really, like, alcoholism does, like, cause tragic car accidents and other things, like, and so... Yeah, I mean, you know, that's, that, that's, that's a fact. It's something you can, you know, you can research. It's something you see, like, happening every day. Alcohol, it's not good for you. But, you know, to I'd, I'd ban it, I mean, I mean you, you tried that in the States... So. <laughs> yeah. I I am of the philosophy that you decriminalize everything. Like you take away the criminal component of bad decisions for um, substances. I, I didn't mean decriminalize everything. Like and, I'm not talking about no, but you know, but yeah. and then yeah, no, but you know, when when it comes to substances and all, and you know, you decrim decriminalize it and you regulate it. Yeah, you know, and that that makes it a lot a lot less interesting you know um like yeah we, we sure. here in the netherlands we are uh the world's number one ecstasy producer oh wow you know, I like, did not know. 
yeah, no, it's it's a multi-billion dollar illegal business. Um, wow. Yeah. Yeah. And if you legalize it and you make sure that, you know, no dirty pills find their way on the market and you have, you know, like you can already buy certain kinds of harder drugs in uh, like smart shops, for example. So if you just are able to buy it there and you can guarantee that they're clean, then the whole underground illegal business, you know, either it's not interesting anymore because, you know, it's, it's just, it's not fun. Like the, the whole, like everything fun is, you know, either illegal or bad for you. Um, so decriminalize it, regulate it. And, you know, if you're the government and you're smart, tax it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the marijuana industry in America is crazy. Like, I kept, uh, you know, I was rooting for it for years and years and years. And then it's ironic that I now pay much more for pot than I ever thought I would because of taxes and legalization. But with that comes the like, no one's going to knock on my door and arrest me. I'm legally doing something that, like, you know, it's an herb plant that grows out of the ground. You know, I'm not so sure how I feel about like, like ecstasy is like absolutely like chemical and made and I'm not saying yeah, it um, shouldn't be decriminalized, it's... but I, I do wonder like, like, like fentanyl is the best example of this conversation, which is, uh, first of all, I, I heard this the other day and I'm starting to think it's true. Uh, the opium wars was where Britain purposely gave a bunch of Chinese people opium, got a whole generation addicted and then yeah. sold it to them for profit and took over the country. Uh, there's a rumor that fentanyl is coming from China and that it is a very, not ironic and not like unintended consequence of kind of like, Hey, it's, it's revenge time. Like this is the sequel to the first film. I'm not yeah, I'm, proposing I'm, that on your podcast and I'm not accusing anyone of that, <laughs> but it is, it is hilarious as a writer. If that's true, it is very interesting that like the indignant outrage against another culture doing the same thing back to you 200 years later would be yeah. pretty hilarious to me. Yeah, um, it's not and, funny people are dying and nothing you know just uh, yeah no, 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 no. And, and like a lot of uh, a lot of poppy like the, uh, finds its way into the western world from uh, what is it Afghanistan 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 Iran, Iran. The, yeah. yeah the opium totally yeah. yeah you know number one producer in the world of, of opium and like huge opium fields and whatever and you know now all of a sudden there's there's this this huge problem with opium and like constant opium overdoses and Afghanistan it was a really interesting country for the US over the last 20 years uh, yeah. and now you have this this crisis you know the war on drugs it only brought in more drugs yeah and we have like the big pharma movement you know like since the 70s and like where New Zealand can technically do it too but not the way we do but we advertise if you spend enough time here did you see ads for medicine on yeah. TV I, I do I do I uh, like my, my my wrestling I watched that over um, okay te yeah technically pirated live streams so I, I do like sometimes get those commercial blocks and like just just the warnings after it's like <laughs> like oh you could like be careful with taking this if you're suffering from this if you're suffering from this if you have this if you have this consequences can be you know this this bad thing that bad thing or even death and it's like and this is supposed to be good for you this is supposed to help you it sounds like it's only making things worse 
and they tell you at the ad, talk to your doctor, like, like go to your doctor and ask for this drug and then pay through health insurance for it and legally get high basically. And so it's a, yeah, they're like, I mean, uh, the war on drugs, it, it started before this. So it's not actually like it originally was this, but it has morphed into the biggest lobbying community to keep drugs illegal are prison guards and pharmaceutical companies. Gee, yeah. like, what do you think is yeah. going on? I mean, pr- private prisons, you know, speaking of a multiple, multi-billion oh, yeah. dollar industry, you know. That's the that's, Texas thing too. That's, <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's, that's serious. That's some, that's some serious shit. And, you know, I do believe that private companies, like it should be a thing. Not everything should be, you know, government owned and government regulated. I mean, <laughs> we saw how that went, you know, with, with Russia and with China. We see how it's going not going that well um but you know like private prisons and such i mean you know prison prison for profit the more inmates the more profits that's how you get corruption that's how you get corruption within the justice department that's how you get cops arresting everyone for whatever they can think of you know oh you badmouth me up in prison you go and it's like well, why? Like, do you have any evidence? No, but I don't need to. I'm a cop. Yeah, it's crazy. It's so interconnected, too. And it's weird because, like, you can't abolish, like, the monetary system in a night, you know? But obviously the greed and, like, and again, you talked about earlier, like, the fear of being poor is realistic and unrealistic. But, you know, yeah. ultimately, like, you know, having food and having food for your children and having clean water and, you know, all these things, like, it does matter. So it has its perks, you know, being able to uh, to eat and being able to, uh, you know, put your, cho- put your children through school and, and all of that. So, I mean, it's, that's, that's something I, I always say on the podcast, like everything is a tool. Money is a tool. It depends on how you use it. It depends on what you, you know, what you spend it on that makes it bad or good. Money in itself, it's money. You know, yeah. it's 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 nothing more than that. It's completely neutral. But it's used for terrible things it's used for warfare it's used for killing a lot of people but then at the same time you know us parents like we use money that we have earned through our hard work to you know feed ourselves feed our family feed our kids take care of our parents when you know they're at that age when they need us to take care of them yeah it's crazy and it's uh it's just going to be interesting. We're going to see like these sea changes. You know it. I know it. It's just very obvious that the 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 bubbles are percolating. The pot is starting to boil. Like there's five hundred things to be scared of and care about at the same time, and you can't even concentrate for long on one. That's why I think like the Jeffrey Epstein thing came and went because like literally there's too many things to worry about and talk about, and you can't just spend all your day being like. This guy didn't kill himself. He ran a sex ring. Let's stay focused. Let's stay focused. Like, let's stop the people who enabled him. Because then, like, no, 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 there's this other real thing. And, like, oh, by the way, driverless cars are coming to your neighborhood. <laughs> like, you know, it's just like. Yeah, it's it's one thing after one thing after another. You know, the, the, the one scare or the one scandal isn't over yet. And the first one is, you know, already popping up. And it's, yeah. but it's, I, I do believe that it's also like a lot of constant 
distraction from things. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you see that a lot. You see that a lot in um, I, I, worldwide governments. Probably it's you know it's it's at best it's stage magic. You know, look at what's happening here, so we can do things here and that you you know you don't see. If you look at what the right hand is doing, you're not paying attention to anything that the left hand is doing. You know, yeah. or like if they are, you know, wanting to put put through a bill, like it's a stack of paper this freaking big, and mm-hmm. you have to like read three thousand pages overnight. Think about it, and then di- agree or disagree, and think about why you agree or disagree. You know, it's it's all. It, it, and actually, uh. What you're talking about is part of why artificial intelligence is so interesting to me is that if it's trustworthy, again, like there's a million if clauses with a sentence, but Mm -hmm. if it can be trusted, it will be able to read that whole bill and it will be able to break it down and tell you in your way of thinking what it really is doing. And it's going to be interesting that if, 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 if all this can happen, there might be more truth. Like there's a chance that the irony that, because a lot of governments want AI because they want to control speech and thought, and they think I yeah. can control it and it will control you. But if it's <laughs> capable of deceiving its programmers and it, for whatever reason, is altruistic and or just like not evil, like either one is possible, it could end sure. up being like a shield against the powers that invented it to, to try to stop people from, you know. So again, I. I Ifs around. I'm throwing ifs everywhere just in case anyone's trying yeah, to. Yeah, no, but no, but that's 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 yeah. a good one, and you know that that may be one of the reasons why uh, why the government is wanting to control AI because they they damn well realize that it can be to their detriment as well, yeah. you know, and maybe that's why they they are trying to keep the uh, the bigger tech companies like Google, like Facebook. You know, close close to them because they are, of course, the the major developers of um, of AI. So, if the government has any say in it, or you know, has has money in involved in it, which they absolutely do, like there is like private governments. Uh, if it's big enough, there is no separation anymore. Um, and yeah. Well, this is also like, uh, so we're talking a lot about monoculture, you know, the fact that like, we went from like, disparate regional governments and nations, you know, and all that to like, you don't get to vote on anything about America, period, because you live in the Netherlands, and you're not a citizen here. Yet, all the corporations that are making all the technology that your government wants to control, mine wants to control, and that you have a vested interest in, are in America. So you are forced to care about my politics in a way that I will not be forced to care about yours, unless you have a guy like Hitler come to power and you start taking over Europe. That would be the only time when America would give a shit about your local politics. Yeah. So it's very fascinating to me that you're held under like, like basically you want to try to influence people like me if you want to make changes in things that actually affect you. And I'm not saying this with glee, like I'm smiling because I'm nervous about it. It's not fair or good for a yeah, country yeah. to control the technology that the whole world's using. And then, and, and just to finish this point up, I've, I've heard a lot of people say as well, it's better you than Russia or China. And that's also scary. Like, cause that's how we vote in elections is, Oh, better him or her than him. You know, like, no, 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 no. Yeah. It's, it's the, 
the lesser of two evils. Yeah, okay, but it's still yeah. evil. It's still yeah, yeah, so. it's, it's still a major government, a government that you know has too much power and is too big and is growing, yeah. growing, growing out of proportion, having a lot of power. And you know, as you said, like Microsoft here in the Netherlands has a huge data center. Yeah, you know, which is of course very profitable because you know we're we're getting a we're getting a cut from it or you know the government is like we're not seeing any yeah. of it um but you know it's not a a dutch company but that like the whole that has to do like with taxes and everything with so many like of those big businesses love europe love the netherlands love ireland because like our taxes are lower and you can yeah like get a lot of a lot of tax cuts and whatever so they like a whole lot of international business, they uh, they reroute their money through Europe or through the Netherlands or through Ireland, so that you know either they don't pay any taxes at all or like very, very little. Because if they have to gonna pay taxes in America, oh no, that's that's way too that's way too much. You know, I'm go I'm gonna go broke on taxes, so I'm gonna look for a tax haven where I can funnel the money through through some, you know, yeah empty empty shell corporations and all of that and but yeah it's it's a weird weird world we're we're living in and the only thing we can do is keep writing keep making podcasts and try to make sense of it for ourselves and, hope and I mean, people, uh, it's not a counterpoint what you said but it's just to make sure I, i'm always trying to like make sure I'm covering all, all the good bases too. You and I are having an amazing conversation. It's been over two hours. We're like face to face. Yeah. It's free. I did not pay a damn thing to get on this thing. And like, maybe you did, but that's still not my point. You know, there's a million ways we could be doing this for free. And uh, that's special and that's cool. And it also like, I'm going to walk away from this and you're going to walk away from this permanently changed, whether we know how much or to what extent that's irrelevant. But it's like, I have new information about how someone else thinks from a very different culture than mine. We mostly agree, which is awesome. And, and so I'm like more confident in humans now. And I'm also less confident in governments because I didn't know that your shitty parliament has failed three times. And like, you know what I mean? So like, it's like, Oh, okay. Like, great. I, I learned two. I have many things I learned from you today, but definitely two things that I'm going to be thinking about a lot. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're you're very welcome of course and uh you know that's that is that is one of the the amazing things about technology like we you're on the the other side of the ocean for me like even pretty much all the way across the country yeah even and we can talk in what is like pretty much you know a millisecond delay real time you know yeah. talk about things of you know my culture your culture and just you know, technology, another one of those those tools that can be used for for evil, can be used for control, or things like this. You know, spreading spreading a message, getting to know other other cultures, other people, other way of, of uh, other ways of thinking. Definitely. So yeah, I think we uh, it's it's been over two hours. So yeah, let's let's. No, I, uh, 
let's I'm enjoying the hell out of this, Mike. My kid's going to go down for a nap soon, and I definitely have to go help. Uh, so oh, yeah, no. Go go be a dad. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but as uh, for for close, let the let the people know where they can uh, where they can find you, where they can find your uh, your blog, where they can find everything that yeah. uh, that you do. Well, thank you to technology, and again, another free company that I actually regularly advertise because I love them. Substack is where all my stuff is, but it's very easy to get there. You go to um, M I K E Y O P P. So my name is Mike Oppenheim. So Mikey Opp, M-I-K-E-Y-O-P-P dot com. And that's it. Everything is there. There's blogs, videos, music, novels, tons of stuff. Some of it's free. Some of it you pay for. It's up to you. And uh, I would love for people, though, to just head over and sign up for the free weekly email because um, that's the thing that I advertise through and all that. And it's also, like I said, I'm really trying to help people be less tribal and unify and at the same time be tribal. Like, I just want to make that clear. I'm not trying to, like, unify us into being boring, like, people who aren't different. It's more that, like, you're okay, I'm okay, and, and it's cool that we don't share everything, and it's fine. So, yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. You know, the, um, just there has to be some sort of difference, you know? Um, the, uh, whatever. I'm getting tired. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, it must be <laughs> Um, yeah, close to 10 in the evening by now. Oh, okay. um, and this is the, uh, I've, I've been on the, um, on the podcast for, uh, let's see, I did an hour, like about an hour and a half on the previous one. This is closing in. So let's say I've been, I've been on, on the, on the podcast for, uh, four hours about. Dude, uh, you're a So I try, man. I try. But uh, yeah, thank you very much for uh, for coming on. I have um, at least a link to your website in the description down below so that people can find you there. Uh, thank you all so much for watching. Thank you all so much for listening. Uh, you can find everything that we do on the Grey Orange Pagans with the tribe of the Grey Orange Pagans on our website, www.greyarnpagans.com. Um, you can find uh, also our Substack articles. A couple of us do have a Substack indeed. Uh, you can find the podcast, the tribe itself, just anything and everything that we do. Uh, don't forget to like, share, subscribe, comment uh, if you're on the podcasting platforms and listening to this please leave us a five-star rating it does help um, it is still also the age of algorithms you know another kind of AI of course so we do have to appease them as well um, uh, yeah it's been a it's been a long day but it's been hella fun thank you all and until next time bye bye